0: Listening to the Redfield Arts Audio Podcast.
1: From Redfield Arts Audio, available now worldwide on Audible. Jeffrey Combs, Nevermore, An Evening with Edgar Allan Poe. Written by Dennis Paoli. Directed by Stuart Gordon. Recorded before a live audience. You
0: are here this evening, no doubt, to hear yours truly recite the most popular poem ever written upon these shores. For many years, my, uh, my, my stories, my tales, that were more popular than my poetry. Magazines and readership just demanded oh, new tale every issue. Okay, oh do you hear it? Louder, 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 louder.
2: Villains, I shrieked. Dissemble no more, I admit
3: the deed. Tear up the planks, here, here.
2: It is the beating of his hideous heart! sure. Don't you be afraid of him if he should visit you He's a great big coward, so I'll tell you what to do Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can Just pretend that you're a crocodile And you will find that bogeyman will run away a mile Say shoo shoo, and stick him with a pin bogeyman will very nearly jump out of his skin. Say buzz, buzz, just like the wasp that stings. bogeyman will think you are an elephant with wings. Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Tell him you've got soldiers in your bed, for he will never guess that they are only made of lead. Hush, hush, he'll think that you're asleep If you make a lovely snore away, he'll softly creep Sing this tune, you children, one and all Bogeyman will run away, he'll think it's Henry Hall When the shadows of the evening creep across the sky And your mommy comes upstairs to sing a lullaby Tell her that the bogeyman no longer frightens you Uncle Henry's very kindly told you what to do Hush, 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 here comes the bogeyman. Don't let him come too close to you, he'll catch you if he can. Just pretend your teddy bear's a dog. Then shout out, fetch him, teddy, and he'll hop off like a frog. Say, meow, pretend that you're a cat. He'll think you may scratch, and that will make him fall down flat. Just pretend he isn't really there. You will find that Boogeyman will finish in thin Here's one way to catch him without fail. Just keep a little salt with you.
0: Halloween. We've got a mixed bag of treats for you. Halloween evolved from the ancient Celtic holiday of Sahuin. Celts believed that on the night, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. It was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to Earth. As the nights get longer and colder towards the end of the year, The celebrations begin. The fall and winter months have always been full of festivals, full of lights, food, and running around the community. But the one we enjoy most now, with the possible exception of Christmas, is Halloween. The modern Halloween is a stew of all kinds of ancient traditions, including several that celebrate, or at least acknowledge, death. And that makes sense because in the dark and cold of winter, death was a very real possibility to those without instant light to guide their way and enough heat and food to sustain them.
1: Weird Tales author H.P. Lovecraft painted a vivid picture of Halloween in his 1926 poem, Halloween in a Suburb.
0: Halloween in a Suburb by H.P. Lovecraft. The steeples are white in the wild moonlight, and the trees have a silver glare. Past the chimneys high, see the vampires fly, and the harpies of upper air that flutter and laugh and stare. For the village dead to the moon outspread, never shone in the sunset's gleam but grew out of the deep that the dead years keep where the rivers of madness stream down the gulfs to a pit of dream a chill wind weaves through the rows of sheaves in the meadows that shimmer pale and comes to twine where the headstones shine and the ghouls of the churchyard wail for harvests that fly and fail not a breath of the strange gray gods of change that tore from the past its own can quicken this hour when a spectral power spreads sleep o'er the cosmic throne and looses the vast unknown so here again stretch the veil and plain that moon's long forgotten saw and the dead leap in the pallid ray, sprung out from the tomb's black maw to shake all the world with awe. And all that the morn shall greet forlorn the ugliness and the pest of rose where thick rise the stones and brick shall some day be with the rest and brood with the shades unblessed. Then wild in the dark lepalemers bark and the leprous spires ascend, for new and old alike in the fold of horror and death are penned for the hounds of time to rend.
2: Makes feel weak, it's the haunted house. There's a dismal moan like a weird trombone, and the an old hand bone is suddenly thrown. You are all alone with a great unknown in the haunted house. There's only one good spirit, it's a spirit in the bottle. With shaking hands, you pull the cork and pour some down your throat. There's a crank of chains and a smell of brains and a gory stain where the Duke was slain. If you got your blames and baricos pains in the haunted house. The old old beam corpse, you seem to feel the wet stream with a sinister gleam, and you wake with a scream from a horrible dream of a haunted house. When a cavalier with a dreadful ear tries to disappear through the chef and and you cling with fear to the chandelier, it's the haunted
1: Written by Alfred Hitchcock
0: She had never been in this part of Paris before, only reading of it in the novels of Duvain or seeing it at the Grand Guignol. So this was Montmartre, that horror where danger lurked under cover of night, where innocent souls perished without warning, where doom confronted the unwary, where the Apache reveled. She moved cautiously in the shadow of the high wall, looking furtively backward for the hidden menace that might be dogging her steps. Suddenly she darted into an alleyway, little heeding where it led, groping her way on in the inky blackness, the one thought of eluding the pursuit firmly fixed in her mind. On she went. Oh, when would it end? Then a doorway from which a light streamed lent itself to her vision. In here, anywhere, she thought. The door stood at the head of a flight of stairs, stairs that creaked with age as she endeavoured to creep down. Then she heard the sound of drunken laughter and shuddered. Surely this was... No, not that. Anything but that. She reached the foot of the stairs and saw an evil-smelling wine bar with the wrecks of what were once "'men and women indulging in a drunken orgy. "'Then they saw her, a vision of affrighted purity. "'Half a dozen men rushed towards her "'amid the encouraging shouts of the rest. "'She was seized. "'She screamed with terror. "'Better had she been caught by her pursuer "'was her one fleeting thought "'as they dragged her roughly across the room. The fiends lost no time in settling her fate. They would share her belongings, and she... Why? Was not this the heart of Montmartre? She should go. The rats would feast. Then they bound her and carried her down the dark passage, up a flight of stairs to the riverside. The water rats should feast, they said. And then, then, swinging her bound body to and fro, dropped her with a splash into the dark, swirling waters. Down she went, down, down, conscious only of a choking sensation. This was death. Then, it's out, madam, said the dentist. Half a crown, please.
1: Gas was written by Alfred Hitchcock and read by Mark Redfield. I
0: think that went rather well. bears little resemblance to what Pope Gregory wanted in 868 AD when he moved the celebration of All Hallows' Day and perhaps unwittingly created an evening before celebration called Hallows' eve He wanted people to remember martyred saints and their holiness and revere the dearly departed. But he picked a date that ensured that most people would think more about the grisly details of the actual martyrdom, the Celtic festival of Samhain. This was one of the big four holidays of the Celtic year. A combination of New Year's Eve, a harvest festival, and a wake for the years dead rolled into one big night. It's a time when the veil is thin between the worlds, they thought, because the souls of the years dead pick that time to move on. At this time of year, we tend to think of masquerading, making mischief, running around the neighborhood asking for food, all of it laced with a hint of supernatural horror and the vague threat of death. These are all drawn from older northern European traditions drawn from this time. And some of the other traditions we have de-emphasized, including ways of telling the future, with a special focus on who you're going to marry and how you're going to die. Bobbing for apples is pretty common at this time of year. Throughout European countries and in parts of America, and how can you fault that? It's hard to improve on a combination of a fruit-eating contest and self-inflicted waterboarding. But why is it that apples play such a big role in Halloween celebrations? Bobbing for apples started, as did the whole business of eating apples, with the Romans. As they spread their empire north, they grafted their own traditions onto the celebration of the locals. To the Celtic, Sao Huynh, they added their celebration of Pomona, the goddess of apples and other fruit.
1: Redfield Arts Audio has produced a special treat for Halloween, a trip through a very special haunted house. So, put your headphones on and close your eyes.
0: Boundaries which divide life from death are at best shadowy and vague. Who shall say where one ends and where the other begins? This is Mark Redfield, my voice, coming to you from this talking machine. Do you remember the recordings of haunted houses When you were young? Did you listen to them in the dark, shivering with every sound? This recording will bring back memories for some, but this recording is special. This is Edgar Allan Poe's haunted house of Usher, a madhouse of mystery and imagination. And so, for those friends familiar, and those friends new, welcome. Now close your eyes and come with us. And don't forget to breathe. Your trip begins by the sea, at a lonely tavern, somewhere on the eastern American seaboard. It is here that you now await your carriage, the one that will take you to... The Haunted House of Usher. We raise our glass to you, friend. May your journey be safe and your visit rewarding. Anything else I can get you before your carriage arrives to take you on your way to the house of Usher? Thank you thank you very much very generous your ride is here storms
2: are coming in fast Welcome. The master has been
1: expecting you. I shall tell him you have arrived. Please be as quiet as possible. Mr. Usher cannot stand loud noise of any kind.
2: My name is Roderick Usher. Welcome to my house. Welcome to the House of Usher.
1: This way, please, to your room. This way, please. <laughs> Remus of our bodies, by good angels tenanted. T- once a fair and stately palace, st- the palace, palace its st- head. It's In the monarch thought's dominion, it stood there. I've turned the bed down for you. Ring if you need anything. The Master will see you in the morning.
0: from out my heart. Take thy form from off my door. Nevermore.
1: Bears, yellow, glorious, golden on its roof did float and flow. This, all this, was in the olden time long ago. And every gentle air that dallied in that sweet day the wing had opened, went away.
3: Hmm. No. <sighs>
1: No, no, not through that door. That's the wine cellar and family burial vaults.
0: (laughs) This way, my dear friend. In that valley, through the red-litten windows see vast falls that move fantastically to a discordant melody. While, like a ghastly rabid river, through the pale door a hideous throng rush out forever and laugh, but smile
2: no more.
1: Are you lost, friend? This way. Who, me? I'm Roderick's sister, Madeline. You look afraid. Lie down. Rest.
2: <laughs> on my oh, no.
0: Oh, no.
3: Rats, oh God, rats,
1: rats! Excuse me. Huh? Excuse me. You must have been having a nightmare. Please take your book, Pose Tales of Mystery and Imagination to the checkout desk. We'll be closing in about 10 minutes. The library will be closing in 10 minutes. Take to the checkout desk now.
3: Thank you.
0: <coughs> Thank you. Jacko lanterns were not originally made of pumpkins because the pumpkin wasn't native to Europe. Over there, during their fall festivals, they'd carve out turnips instead, put a candle in them, and carry the Erzatz lantern around on Halloween night. Theoretically, the lanterns weren't supposed to ward off the evils that were afoot. But more often, they were a sign that the carrier wanted to be fed. Asking for food during the winter months was an old tradition dating back to the feudal society, where serfs were allowed to ask the lord of the manor for food in winter, usually in return for a song or some other kind of entertainment. Imagine if there were Halloween carols. The tradition evolved into carol singing, the European origin of trick-or-treating. Trick-or-treating wasn't universally accepted or even acknowledged in the United States until the middle of the 20th century. The phrase was first recorded in 1921, was wisely resisted as an antisocial practice until the 1950s, and wasn't even used in any other English-speaking countries until the 1980s. It's easy to forget that trick-or-treating wasn't accepted without a fight. Throughout the 1940s, stuffy old matrons frothed at the mouth and wrote letters to their newspapers. Here's one example from uh, Our Nation's Capital. The commissioners and District of Columbia officials should enact a law to prohibit beggars' night at Halloween. It is making gangsters of children. If the parents of these children were fined not less than $25 for putting their children out to beg, they would entertain their children at home meg washington post november 21 1948. the tide turns thanks to two icons of the media charles m schultz and walt disney the peanuts crowd went trick-or-treating in 1951 and the next year walt disney studios released a cartoon called trick-or-treat featuring donald duck huey Louie, and dewey and a witch called hazel from this point the only protesters to the custom were just begging to get their homes egged and toilet papered.
1: Poe didn't go trick or treating, but for him, the month of October brings nocturnal trips through dank cemeteries and the morning of lost love. In his autumnal poem, Ulaloom.
0: The skies, they were ashen and sober. The leaves, they were crisped and sere. The leaves, they were withering and sere. It was night in the lonesome October of my most immemorial year. It was hard by the dim lake of Alba, in the misty mid-region of Weir. It was down by the dank tarn of Alba, in the ghoul-haunted woodland of Weir. Here once, through an alley titanic of Cyprus, I roamed with my soul. Of Cyprus, with Psyche, my soul. These were the days when my heart was volcanic, as the scoriac rivers that roll, as the lavas that restlessly rolled their sulfurous currents down Yaonic, in the ultimate climes of the pole, that groan as they roll down Mount Yaonic in the realms of the Boreal Pole. Our talk had been serious and sober, but our thoughts, they were palsied and sere, Our memories were treacherous and seer, for we knew not the month was October, and we marked not the night of the year. Ah, night of all nights in the year. We noted not the dim lake of Alba, though once we had journeyed down here, we remembered not the dank tarn of Alba, nor the ghoul-haunted woodland of Weir. And now, As the night was senescent, and star dials pointed to morn, as the star dials hinted of morn, at the end of our path a luquescent and nebulous luster was born, out of which a miraculous crescent arose with a duplicate horn, Astarte's bediamonded crescent distinct with its duplicate horn. And I said, she is warmer than Dion. She rolls through an ether of sighs. She revels in a region of sighs. She has seen that the tears are not dry on these cheeks, where the worm never dies, and has come past the stars of the lion to point us the path to the skies, to the Lethean peace of the skies. Come up in spite of the lion to shine on us with her bright eyes. Come up through the lair of the lion with love in her luminous eyes. But Psyche, uplifting her finger, said, Sadly, this star I mistrust. Her pallor I strangely mistrust. O oh, hasten, O oh, let us not linger. O oh, fly, let us fly, for we must. In terror she spoke, letting sink her wings till they trailed in the dust. In agony sobbed. "'letting sink her plumes till they trailed in the dust, "'till they sorrowfully trailed in the dust. "'I replied, "'This is nothing but dreaming. "'Let us on by this tremulous light. "'Let us bathe in this crystalline light. "'Its sybilic splendor is beaming with hope and in beauty tonight. "'See, it flickers up in the sky through the night. "'Ah, we safely may trust to its gleaming "'and be sure it will lead us aright.' we safely may trust to a gleaming that cannot but guide us aright, since it flickers up to heaven through the night. Thus I pacified Psyche and kissed her, and tempted her out of her gloom, and conquered her scruples and gloom. And we passed to the end of the vista, but were stopped by the door of a tomb, by the door of a legended tomb, and I said, what is written, sweet sister, on the door of this legended tomb? She replied, Ulalum. Ulalum, tis the vault of thy lost Ulalum. Then, my heart, it grew ashen and sober, as the leaves that were crisped and sere, as the leaves that were withering and sere, And I cried, it was surely October, on this very night of last year, that I journeyed, I journeyed down here, that I brought a dread burden down here on this night of all nights in the year. Oh, what demon has tempted me here? Well, I know now this dim lake of Alba, this misty mid-region of Weir. "'Well, I know now this dank tarn of Alba "'in the ghoul-haunted woodland of Weir,' "'said we then, the two then. "'Ah, can it have been?' that the woodlandish ghouls, the pitiful, the merciful ghouls, to bar up our way and to ban it from the secret that lies in these wolds, from the thing that lies hidden in these wolds, had drawn up the specter of a planet from the limbo of lunary souls, this sinfully scintillant planet from the hell of the planetary souls?
1: Available now from Redfield Arts Audio. Songs of Giants, The Poetry of Pulp. Poetry by H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Rice Burroughs, and Robert E. Howard. Music by Jennifer Rouse. Readings by Mark Redfield.
0: The steeples are white in the wild moonlight, and the trees have a silver glare. Past the chimneys high, see the vampires fly and the harpies of upper air that flutter and laugh and stare. I carved a woman out of marble when the walls of Athens echoed to my fame, and in the myrtle crown was shrined mine. I stood at the bar, at the spread eagle bar, drinking a drink whilst I smoked a cigar. When in walks a gent that I ain't never see, and he lets out a bow... ...the dawn's at bay. The dead lay littered on our decks, our masts were shot away. We beat them back with broken blades till crimson ran the tide. Death thundered in the cannon smoke when Richard Grenville died. We should have blown her hull apart and sunk beneath the main. The people saw upon his wrist the scars it had instead of toes, and a beard adorned its throat. On a set of rustic reeds sweetly played this hybrid man. Not cared I for earthly needs, for I knew this was Pan.
1: For more great audio, visit RedfieldArtsAudio.com.